Okay, folks. So, there are a couple of things that have come to my attention uh, as a result of recent conversations I've been having. And I realized that uh, this is, again, one of those things that I, I just kind of assumed everyone knew. Well, not really, but these things do slip my mind every so often. But uh, So, today I'm going to talk to you about the different kinds of female orgasm and a generalized process for awakening someone to the different kinds of orgasm. Uh, as well as how to phase that process in to structure it and to utilize their tremendously magnified orgasmic response uh, to tie into the process of helping them to improve their life. So, um, what I'm going to do here, I guess, is give you a general outline. I'll try to provide as much value as quickly as possible. I'm trying to put all the stuff that's important at the front of these things. And I'll talk about the different kinds of orgasm. And then I'll talk about the training process that you should follow to actually implement them. Um, this will give you enough fuel to provide you with material for the first three to five dates that you have with them. Um, and by dates, I mean time that you spend in bed with them. Um, so, let's get started. Um, I will start with the simplest of these kinds of orgasms. Oh, that's the one I'm missing. Clitoral. Whoops. Right, yes, clitoral. Um, I have a giant list of, of different types of orgasms here. So, uh, one of the things that's important to understand is that these are not just variations on a theme. These are not like different kinds of vaginal orgasms or different kinds of clitoral orgasms. These are 12. 12 discrete kinds of specific female orgasmic response. Uh, one of which I have created entirely from scratch, which I'm quite proud of. But uh, I'll get into that later on. So let's start with them in terms of simplicity to access. So Obvious prerequisites for this are they should be comfortable with you, they should be comfortable with your body, they should be comfortable with their body, ideally. Uh, although I've been getting a lot of mileage lately out of helping people work through their body acceptance issues on the way to becoming healthier and happier. So, yeah, that's definitely something that's that's necessary. I, mean, I don't think I've legitimately met somebody yet that doesn't need a bit of help understanding that they're beautiful and that it's okay to feel a little bit uncertain about that sometimes, but as long as they're working on themselves, I always encourage people to feel good about the body they're in. Um, to quote something that I read several weeks ago, it's like, it's okay to be weak. It's not okay to stay weak. You know, it's okay to not like your body, but it's not okay to not, you know, do something about it. Um, and obviously that level of dislike should never go beyond like a, a mild dislike. It should never be self-loathing or self-hatred. You know, um, Honestly, some of the most tragic conversations that I have, and I mean this genuinely, uh, involve people that have everything in the world going for them and yet somehow don't believe that they deserve to be truly happy. But uh, I've been working on a lot of stuff around that. So I guess I'll start with the simplest kinds of orgasm. So... Um, the simplest kind of orgasm is actually the G-spot orgasm, believe it or not. This is because you can stimulate them with your voice as well as um, 
with your fingertips while you're doing it. If you're stimulating the clitoris, uh, but I guess you can use your fingers. Um, personally, I think that's just, you know, it's just more fun to use your mouth. Um, so, G-Sport orgasms. What you're going to do is you're going to take your strongest hand, you're going to take the third and fourth fingers, so going from your thumb to your pinky finger, the third and fourth finger, you're going to slide them in about the depth of one knuckle, maybe an inch inside of the vagina, with your palm facing upwards, and you're going to curl them into that. You'll feel like a spongy... If you push your fingers in, I'm obviously going to have to describe all this stuff to you out, out loud because it's I can't show you photographs or anything, but... Honestly, this is the sort of thing that you should do with your partner. Now, um, framing. So you want to you want to frame this as a mutually adventurous exploration. The other thing that you want to do is blindfold your partner. Blindfolding someone massively reduces the amount of stress that they feel when they're doing this. They will massively reduce the amount of uh, self-consciousness they have. Um, so there's two major components. One is you want to blindfold them. And the second is you want to make sure that uh, they understand that it's not about actually getting to the orgasm. The more pressure you put on them or the more pressure they put on themselves, honestly, oftentimes most guys are pretty ambivalent about it. Um, some guys try to please and, and they put a bit of pressure on the partner to, to get a response. But most guys are you know pretty ambivalent about it. But I've found women in particular will put a huge amount of pressure on themselves to have an orgasm. So you have to good-naturedly and, and gently explain to them that it's not about getting to an orgasm necessarily. It's about just letting an orgasm happen all by itself and exploring together and having fun explain this, communicate this through the tone of voice and the way that you uh, actually genuinely act. You need to actually feel that. So the, the, the frame that you want is, this is the two of us, naked, beautiful people in bed, exploring your body and seeing all of the wonderful things that it's capable of doing. That's the, the vibe that you want to present to your partner. Um... It's okay if they have one or two drinks as well. I've often found that women really not, really need to loosen up around this stuff and that, that can help them overcome uh, a sense of shame that they might have or um, a sense of uptight, being of being uptight around it. So, G-spot orgasms. Uh, slide your fingers in palm upwards. You'll feel a spongy mass about the size of a small strawberry. Uh, you want to stimulate that by curling your fingers upwards in a come-hither motion with a medium to firm pressure um, while your partner is blindfolded. Now, you keep doing this for a couple of minutes, and they will, generally speaking, have an orgasm. Now, as you're a hypnotist, or you are at least aware of how to use your voice to help your partner achieve orgasm, I want you to be giving your partner um, encouraging stimulation through your voice. So explain to them that it's okay to feel this way. Give them permission. It's good to feel this way. I'm enjoying this. Tell them that you're hard. One of the things guys don't do when they're dirty talking is talk about their own body's responses to their partner's responses. Doing that creates a sense of permissiveness as well as a sense that the woman is quote-unquote winning. 
it's okay for her to be aroused and whimpering because you're rock hard and eager too. And you, you tell her that because, you know, she's already more turned on than you are, but it, it makes it okay for her to do that. So when it comes to this, you know, tell them that they look beautiful. Tell them that you love watching them whimper. Tell them, you know, all the things that are true. You know, it. I never advise people to lie when it comes to this stuff because if you try hard enough, you can find something nice to say about anybody's body. You can find someone kind. You can find something kind enough to say about anybody. Um, you know, I I had a girl once that had labia, so their her labia minora, the inner labia, were much larger than her labia majora, the outer labia. And I told her genuinely that I thought her pussy looked like it was the most beautiful cunt I'd ever seen. And I didn't have to fake that. I, you know, you, you're genuine about this stuff. Continue stimulating them in their come-hither motion for a, you know about five minutes or so while you blindfold them. If you'd like, you can tie them up too. I often find that um, that sort of implied loss of control from being bound or handcuffed comfortably uh, or from being restrained allows women the, the mental freedom to relax control and to experience the release of orgasm. Um, now, that's the first kind of orgasm. It's a G-spot orgasm. Um, this is one of the ways that women can squirt most easily. So inside of a woman, there is a, a gland called the skein's gland, which produces a clear, colorless fluid um, that basically is like female ejaculate. So that pressure on the G-spot can cause women to to squirt. It's one of the best ways to get women to squirt. It's not the best way, but it is one of the best ways. And so if they feel like they're building up pressure, ask them. If it feels like they're going to pee, um, they're not going to. It's physically impossible for them to pee while they're as aroused as they should be while you're doing this. Um, use a bit of lube if you need to on the G-spot. Probably won't need to because she should be fairly wet, but you know, repeated stimulation over such a small area can cause could cause a bit of dryness. So use a bit of lube if you need to. Um, G-spot orgasms, pretty simple stuff. So the the next one, and because there because you can talk to her while you're doing this, uh, and because your cock doesn't have to be hard in order to do this you can use these orgasms as a kind of warm-up. Now, remember always that Stephen Covey talks about this, well, not orgasms specifically, but satisfied needs do not motivate. So what I've often found it best to do, and I'll get more into the protocol of it later on, but essentially what I've found it best to do is to ramp up the intensity. So I pick three different kinds of orgasm, like a, uh, a G-spot orgasm, a clitoral orgasm, and then a deep spot orgasm that are all kind of located in roughly the same area. And I'll wind a girl up with a G-spot orgasm and then have her tell me when she's close, keep her on that edge for about a minute or two, and then stop and switch to a different kind of stimulation without letting her actually orgasm. So then I'll switch to a deep spot orgasm sort of stimulation, do that for a couple of minutes until she's close again, which won't take long because she's already primed from the previous stimulation. Have her tell me when she's close. Hold that edge. Don't orgasm. Slow right down. And then once you've done that, switch to a clitoral orgasm. Stimulate her with your mouth. Have her tell you when. 
and then I would switch back to uh, a G-spot orgasm and hit her with that to the point of orgasm and then the deep spot to the point of orgasm and then a clitoral orgasm as the finisher, basically. So that's one way you can do that. So, uh, clitoral orgasms. Now, the best way to do this is to have her sit or lay comfortably on her back in the bed and put a towel under her if she's wet uh, or she's a squirter and have her spread her thighs. Now, have her blindfolded again for this. You want to, if you're right-handed, you know, follow these directions. If not, then switch hands. You know, it's not rocket science. But basically what you want to do is reach up and spread her clitoral hood back to expose the, you know, the clitoral nub. I don't want to say the head of the clitoris because it's not really accurate, but it's a little nub. It looks like the, the tip of a ballpoint pen, sort of. Or, you know, you know what I mean. And then what you want to do is you want to kind of push your lips out to make like fish lips and then lower your lips onto her clit, gently suck them into your mouth a little bit and then flick the tip of your tongue up and down over the, the exposed nub of the clit while you breathe through your nose regularly because you will be down there for a while. And this produces an encompassing, enveloping, or so I'm told, feeling of clitoral stimulation. Um... This usually won't take long. However, it can be harder to get a woman from a cold start to orgasm from this because women like to hear your voice. They like to hear your permission. They like to hear you commanding them and demanding things. Side note, uh, the single hottest thing you can ever say to somebody in bed is more. The word more. I've found that to be a much superior replacement for the word yes or, or green. Jesus, fuck. I mean green. I don't think I've ever heard a single person actually use that outside of a kink scene specifically. But more is both the information of the message and an exhortation for a deeper level of connection. It is it is enthusiasm and content. The word more. Get into the habit of using that. It's one of those little changes that makes a huge difference. Just keep saying it. More. When she does something that you like, more. More more. Look her in the eyes. Demand it. Command it. Enjoy it. So, yes, uh, clitoral orgasm. This is the best way to stimulate the clitoris. Sort of push your lips out, suck the head of her clitoris into your... You know what I mean. And then flick your tongue up and down over her clitoris. Um, you know, pushing with your tongue. And you'll really want to pull back her clitoral hood for this to get as much of her clit inside your lips as you can. Uh, so that's a clitoral orgasm. Continue that stimulation at a steady pace. Now, the thing with clitoral orgasms are they're a little more fragile than others, and they tend to they tend to cause a kind of exhaustion in women, specific to clitoral orgasms uh, and U-spot orgasms, because they're a, a very non-stimulating the same uh, complex, but. Vaginal orgasms don't have that sort of semi-exhaustion thing the way that clitoral orgasms do. Because the way the clitoris works is that when a woman is developing in the womb, uh, when men are developing in the womb, they get testosterone, and that testosterone turns their you know, proto-cock from a clitoris into a cock. 
So women have a clitoris and men have a cock and they're functionally, they come from the same place. What that means is that a clitoral orgasm feels to a woman exactly what a, a penile orgasm feels like to a man. So sharp, short, 30 seconds to 45 seconds max duration, and then, you know, overstimulation, sensitivity, and basically mild exhaustion, which is why vaginal orgasms are infinitely more satisfying, especially when you do it right. So, um, third kind of orgasm, A-spots. These are, these are the bread and butter. These are the bread and butter in your toolkit. I don't think I've ever met a woman that has known about this before I have introduced her to it. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to use the exact same method you, that you used for your G-spot. Now, as a, as a man, I always so like to close my eyes because it's just like when I'm giving a massage to somebody. Uh, after about five minutes or so, it really centers you and it makes you quite focused on the feel of your fingertips and the connection between your body and hers. So blindfold her restrain her in a way that you don't have to check on her pulse in her fingertips or constriction of blood flow. So, you know, like a loose set of handcuffs or something. But, um, yeah, close your eyes. Now, take your third and fourth finger, make them the same length. So kind of, you want them to be the same length. Or if you, if you don't, then one finger will be pushing harder than the other and it won't be good. Also, for this, make sure your nails are relatively short. You don't have to trim them down to the quick, but they shouldn't be overlong as a guy. Not usually a problem, but sometimes it can be. Also, make sure that your hands are clean before you shove them inside of somebody because, you know, you, you know, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes. You're going to push your two fingers inside of her cunt, uh, palm upwards. You're going to slide past the G-spot. And what you're looking for is uh, a section on the upper inside of her vagina that feels like the inside of the roof of your mouth, kind of firmed with little ridges covering it. And what you're going to do is you're going to drive your fingers up. You're going to probably have to use your left hand to spread her labia as much as you can to kind of get your fingers really in there. And you're going to drive your fingers and you're going to make that same come hither motion. It'll be a larger motion this time, right? So you want to kind of bring it down. Now, make sure that you use the pads of your fingers and not the tips, or you'll dig your nails in. But um, you want to stroke, and you'll feel a band of muscle. Uh, you will know when you have hit this spot because the response from her will be is strong and immediate. There is a band of muscle that runs across the front of a female pelvis from left to right, and what you're stroking is you're stroking that band of muscle from the inside. It'll feel like the inside of the roof of your mouth, and you want to use firm to medium pressure. Um, when women are doing this for themselves, which they usually can, they can reach this way, they'll be able to dial it into just underneath what they can bear. But as a guy, you'll need to ask them for feedback on pressure and intensity. Now, uh, intensity and speed. So you want, you know, like if 100% is what she can handle maximum, you want 90%. You want like firm pressure. You don't want to go too hard and make sure that the pressure is even along the length of the stroke. Don't dig in and then drag. You want to just stroke the, the whole length. But you'll be able to feel where that band of muscle starts and where it ends just above, relatively speaking, the G-spot. Um, use two fingers, curling upwards in a come-hither motion. You'll know exactly when you've hit it because her mouth will gasp, her back will arch, her toes will curl, and she will say, what the fuck is that? It happens every time. 
Um, I did have a woman once that had some sort of surgical scar on the inside there. So what I did was I just kind of moved my fingers a little bit to the left and found that same ridge and kind of ran along. I was gentle as well, a little more gentle with her than I would have been with other people. But uh, yeah, I could feel there was some sort of deformity in there. I think it was scar tissue from a C-section or some sort of operation that she might have had. But I didn't ask her about it. I just assumed that it was, you know, it was an organic thing. And I just moved to the left a little bit and kept going. Um, you know, was it nothing? Nothing stops the post. Neither rain, nor hail, nor sleet, nor snow. So, that's the A spot. Now, that is your, oh my God, this guy knows exactly what he's doing, trump card. Because most women have heard of a G-spot orgasm, and they're not shocked by this. Most women are, have heard of a clitoral orgasm, and are not shocked by it. Most women have had a clitoral orgasm. Oftentimes, not a lot of them have had vaginal orgasms, but we're going to fix that. We're going to help her to awaken her sexuality, and you're going to be the guy that's going to do it. So oftentimes, the deep spot is a really strong... Once you know what you're doing, the deep spot is a really strong opener. If you hit them with that first, they don't need to, they don't need to warm up. Um, you know, you start a little gentle, and you sort of wrap the pressure up over a few strokes so that that's not a surprise to her. But um, you can also use your voice to give her commands and to talk dirty to her and to stimulate her while you're doing this. So it's really good for that initial first orgasm whenever you're having sex together. So that's the A spot. Of course, if anyone wants any details on this, they just have to send me an email and I'll, uh, if there's anything they want me to cover in particular, I'll go back through it and add something onto the end of this podcast episode. But uh, that's the A spot. So what you do then is you do the, the P spot, which is uh, the... It's really easy, and I've arranged these in order from easiest for you, the practitioner, to learn. Um, the P-spot is you take the same fingertip position, the same movement, the same timing of about one stroke every second as the A-spot, and you flip your palm around so that your palm is facing down, and you drive your fingers towards the back wall of her vagina near her asshole, and you, you find that same band of muscle, not the same band of muscle, but the corresponding band of muscle that runs along the back of her pelvis, and you stroke that from the top down to the bottom of near her asshole. What it'll feel like is apparently like getting fucked in the ass. Uh, it's like an interior anal orgasm, like a, a more deeper, more internal anal orgasm. But functionally speaking, it's about the same as a um, as an A-spot orgasm. Uh, so same stroke intensity, sort of medium to firm pressure. Um, now, be gentle because the day after this, both the A spot and the P spot can, well, not, not be gentle, but just be aware that they can have muscle soreness because you're, you're sort of working muscles that they weren't aware were there. Once you've done this a couple of times, that soreness will usually go away as the muscles strengthen and the orgasms become dramatically more intense. One of the side effects of an A-spot or a P-spot orgasm is the first one is usually amazing, and then they rapidly become much more intense the more you do them. My theory is that's to do with the way the muscles get stronger as they're stimulated, but I, I can't be certain about that. But that's, that's my theory. So the P-spot, take your A-spot orgasm, two fingers, Flip it around, stroke from the top to the bottom down towards her asshole or away from her belly button if you're looking for a, a relative point of distance. And that'll feel different 
interesting. That's usually not enough to bring the house down. Like, I've found the A-spot tends to get a much more dramatic, like, what the fuck was that kind of response than a P-spot orgasm does. But it's a very, it's one of the different discrete kinds of orgasm. Uh, okay, so let's stay inside the vagina, and we're going to go with the cervical, the cervical orgasm. So for this one, you will need a couple of things to be in alignment. One is that you will need ridiculously strong fingers. Um, on the subject of finger strengthening exercises, if you have a set of gymnastics rings or a pull-up bar, the easiest way to strengthen your grip is to take a tea towel, drape it over your pull-up bar, and then grip the tea towel as tightly as you can. Um, you can start off with doing hangs from a pull-up bar, so just grip the bar and hang on to it um, for as long as you can. Time yourself until the point where you can't hold on any longer, and then do three to five sets of those until your muscles just burn. It Honestly, it's pain like you've never felt before, folks, um, but it'll massively increase the strength in your forearms, and it's worth it. Um, I started off doing closed closed hangs on a pull-up bar and then I took a tea towel and draped that over the pull-up bar and gripped that. The thicker the thing is that you have to hold on to, the more strength it requires to hold yourself up. So I got it up to where I could do about a minute um, just off the bat with no warm-up and then I started moving up to tea towels, got that up to about a minute, and then I moved up to an actual towel, which was much, much, much harder. And to be honest, I haven't quite mastered that one yet. But that's how you work on your grip strength. And you will need really strong fingers for a lot of these techniques because you'll, your partner will want you to do them a lot. Um, but mostly because they put a lot of pressure and um, your fingers form a kind of lever arm. And it's quite easy to get fatigued in this because you're using very small muscles. Finger muscles are very small compared to other muscles in the rest of your body. So back to cervical orgasms. You're going to take the longest finger you have, which for most people is their, uh, their middle finger, otherwise known as the bird. And you're going to take your left hand, spread open her labia, and you're going to really have to force your hand in quite deep. What you're feeling for is there's kind of a, it's really hard to describe actually, but it's like, it's like a little ring of firm uh, cartilage that feels like the tip of your nose. It's like firm with a little bit of give to it. Now, there's a couple things that have to be in alignment for this to work. One is you have to have long enough fingers and two, but most importantly, is that some women have cervixes that are quite far back. Um, I've fucked women that have cervixes that are very easy to access this way, um, very difficult to access this way, the whole, you know, the whole gamut. And so, yeah, it's not... Don't be too hard on yourself if you can't get this one with a particular partner. It's usually just that their cervix is too far back. But you want to shove your finger in, and you want to feel for that like tip of the nose cartilage, and it'll feel like a little ring about 30 centimeters in diameter, maybe a little smaller, maybe 20 centimeters in diameter. And you want to push the tip of your finger into that ring and kind of not, not into the middle of the ring, because that's not where you want to go. 
you want to sort of pressure on the outside of that ring um, and just kind of feel that. And for some women find this really pleasurable. This is honestly not one of the ones I would really focus on because it's it's just there for completeness. But it is, it's a separate and distinct kind of orgasm, which is why it's on the list. But it's not... Actually, no, I have had one woman, one woman say this is like her favorite way to come. So I taught her how to do this. And then whenever we fucked, it was like my cock would hit that. And, uh, and she would just come fireworks. Uh, but most women don't feel that way. So um, some women find it unpleasant. What you should be doing is because you're using your fingers and you have your voice, you should be framing everything as positive. We're exploring your body. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well. Now... Yeah, I'll get into this a little bit more later on, but basically the way I would do this is you don't want to give her all of these orgasms in one session because it's just too much. It's like taking her out to an amazing restaurant where every meal is huge and delicious. That's why amazing restaurants only serve you little pieces of food because the flavors are so intense, subtle and nuanced. Uh, they, they don't want to fill you up before you get to the fifth course, right? So what I would typically do with this is I would organize a series of dates, not necessarily book them all at once, I'm not a fucking robot, but basically, you know, hang out with someone on a weekend, on a Saturday, get a hotel room, and then as part of my normal stack, I would show them these first couple of orgasms. Usually I would start with a deep spot, I would start with, then I would go to a G spot, and then I would go to a P spot or, uh, or a U spot orgasm, and then just kind of branch out from there until I've covered all of these different, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, 12 different kinds of orgasms, 12 different kinds of discrete, distinct orgasms uh, over the course of the next couple of our uh, dates together. Um, the main reason that behind that is that women tend to get really exhausted. You're often going to be, especially with the U spot and with the A spot, using muscles that they haven't ever even known were there. I mean, I was on the phone with someone uh, very recently who was, you know, over 50 that had no idea that she had either a U spot or an A spot. And so discovering, listening to her discover those was quite illuminating, but I also couldn't help but think how tragic it was that someone had managed to go through their entire life without being able to experience this, you know, much more often which I think is sad, truly. Uh, but yes, so cervical orgasms. Those are um, fun, not typically a high priority for most people. They're, they're more there to, to display your knowledge. It's a, I don't want to say it's a dick measuring contest because that's not the right sort of turn of phrase, but it's, a, it's, it's something in the toolbox, but it's not something that I would usually prioritize hugely. The A spot is probably my first go-to orgasm because that really shocks a lot of women. They've never felt that before. They usually come very quickly. Again, the mistake with a lot of this, unfortunately, that guys make is that uh, when a woman is getting really close to actually orgasming, they, they, the guy, speeds up the intensity of the strokes. They push harder or they... Um, they move the fingers faster. And what this does is it either throws off the girl's rhythm or it causes a much faster level of fatigue in the man's fingers and you can't maintain that pressure. If it's anything other than a U-spot orgasm or a clitoral orgasm, they can essentially keep coming as long as you provide them with ongoing stimulation, even if it's low-level stimulation. 
Um, like I've I've fucked a girl hard, had her come vaginally, and then just slow fucked her for the next twenty minutes, like one stroke every couple of seconds. But as long as there's some kind of stimulation, their brain seems to be able to latch onto that as this is enough to just keep orgasming, keep orgasming, keep orgasming. Um, obviously, you can also work very easily to extend the duration of orgasms through um, suggestions, hypnosis, command. Um, you know come for me, keep coming for me, keep coming for me. You can stop in just a little while, just a little bit more, really squeeze it out, you know. It's hard to do it when I'm not in the moment, but you know what I mean. So cervical orgasms, um, and that, that's covered the sort of training outline a little bit as well. So yes, um, okay. Now, uh, the sixth kind of orgasm we'll cover here is anal orgasms. Now, anal orgasms are really, really interesting because most women find them to be the deepest and most satisfying, many women find them the, the deepest and the most satisfying of the different kinds of orgasms. Um, how you get to an anal orgasm is there is incredibly sensitive nerve endings around the, the asshole, I guess, for want of a better term. Um, now, the best kinds of toys that I have found to stimulate the ass are actually, um, silicon works really well, but what you actually want is something like anal beads, but with a stiffness and a rigidity to it. I have a glass toy, which is amazing. Um, glass dildos are fantastic as a general rule. They're not made of glass. They're made of like, uh, Pyrex, the same stuff you make, you know, really tough cookware out of, but, uh. Yeah, they're very, very slippery. They're smooth when they're wet. Um, and the version I have looks like a series of ever larger marbles kind of stacked on top of each other and then glued to form a stick about half a foot long. And so you can hold that really easily and start with the very smallest size and sort of push that in. Again, when it comes to anal sex, use lots of lube. Have the, her lay on her stomach, blindfold her so she feels a little powerless and a little restrained, a little helpless, and a little controlled, and all those other wonderful yummy things, and reassure her, take it super slow. The, the smallest ball on the end of this glass toy I have is about a centimeter in diameter, so it's barely something they can even feel. And the largest is about four centimeters in diameter. So it's a very, very, very gentle progression. And the best way I've found to use this is to grasp the thicker end in one hand, have her lay on her stomach, roll up a towel into a kind of cylinder, brace it underneath her hips because it lifts up her ass. Uh, if you have one of those sex cushions, you can use those too, but I've just found, you know, rolled up hotel room towels work great. Lots of lube. And you can start by pushing one of your fingers in because honestly, it feels amazing incredibly intimate to to have a part of your body inside of someone else's body but i would start with the toy i would warm that up um, just by holding it against my bare skin for a couple of minutes to warm it up so that it's not freezing cold and then i would just start pushing it in and stimulating with the with the ridges on it until uh till it felt pleasurable now what will happen typically is i will try to kind of get a ranging shot in so i will push a lot of the toy in until I start hearing from her. I'll, I'll encourage her to give me feedback as I'm going along. But 
until I hear from her that it's getting tight or that I feel that it's like harder to push in, it's getting tighter. What you're looking for is like how tight is her asshole, basically. Um, and then you back off a couple of notches and then you go from that all the way under the smallest notch and sort of back up again slowly. You just kind of work the toy in and out, in and out. You can put your free hand on the back of her neck if you like and just kind of squeeze a little bit. A lot of people really like that. It makes them feel controlled and and dominated. Um, you can gently brush your fingers along her back, I guess, if you want to. But what I've found works best in this situation is actually to uh, restrain her hands using a tie that uh, won't constrict blood flow. I'll have to go under rope at some point, but it's, it's hard to do it in a non-visual medium, like audio. Um, I would tie her hands behind her back and have her lay on her stomach with her head to, twisted to one side, but comfortable, um, blindfolded. And I would use that free hand of mine to sort of hold her hands in place and kind of pin her there. Um, the other thing I would do is obviously squeeze the back of her neck, a bit like a cat uh, sinking its teeth into the back of the neck of a kitten, that can often cause everything from spontaneous orgasms to just deep feelings of submission, which facilitate the process greatly. Then I would use my right hand to sort of push the toy in and out, in and out, while I was speaking to her in my hypnosis voice and giving her suggestions and telling how beautiful she was. And again, none of this stuff is faked. I never have to fake any of it because it's all things that I genuinely feel. If you don't like everything about somebody, find something else to talk about that you do like about them, you know? Uh, also, keep it context sensitive as well. Like, you know, don't talk about how wonderful she is in the kitchen in the middle of the bedroom. Like, find something positive about her. And honestly, you can, you know, encourage her to be louder. Tell her it's safe. Give her explicit permission, by which I say, you know, I give you permission to enjoy this. Because oftentimes people really just want permission to enjoy this. They want to know that it's okay. So I give you permission to enjoy this. This is for you. You deserve this because, and then you provide them with a pseudo-plausible reason as to why they, they deserve this. Oftentimes people will really struggle with the idea of a submissives, particularly. Oh, dear Lord. Um would struggle with the idea of receiving pleasure. This is where the Betty Martin's three-minute game is fucking invaluable um, because it builds proficiency at giving, receiving, taking, and submitting. Um, and it's very common, like the VA case of modalities for hypnosis, that someone is particularly skilled in one, but not particularly skilled in the other two. So most submissives are obviously very skilled at giving and... Uh, and submitting oftentimes as well. But, you know, things like taking and receiving, they are much. They seem to be much harder to do. Obviously, dominance are corresponding in, in the different areas. And I've found it is one of the simplest and most effective ways to build sexual proficiency is to play that game literally a handful of times. Once someone's aware of it and they've had a chance to practice each of the different proficiencies, they become way better in bed. Seriously, if you haven't played the three-minute game with a person that you're fucking, you need to play the three-minute game with a person that you're fucking. Or your friends. Or people that you know really well. I mean, honestly, I, I'm a strong advocate of fucking your friends anyway, so... I just think it's good for everybody. Oh, housemates in the, um, in the COVID crisis. Everyone's sort of locked indoors, so I've sort of been advising a couple of people to just start banging their housemates. Um, 
So yeah. But yeah, three minute game, play that. So anal orgasms. That's how I would do it. If you have a dildo that is not super thick, butt plugs don't work super well for this. Um, and I've seen anal beads that sort of work okay with a handle on them, but you lose a lot of the rigidity if they're just beads on a string. You want something that's stiffer and controllable. Uh, so yeah, I would highly recommend a glass toy for anal play. Uh, but you want something with ridges that can that can be used to stimulate. Um, it's It may be that you only have a dildo, in which case I would put a condom over the dildo to keep um, poop out of the silicon uh, and sort of germs out of it as well. Always put a condom on your dildos when you're fucking someone in the ass with them. And just a side note here in case people don't know how to clean their sex toys and if someone can tell me how to do this better, I'm happy to amend this podcast. But the way I was shown to do it is to simply um, get a bar of ordinary soap and take the dildo into the shower with you and lather it up with soap and give it a good scrub down under the warm water. Which is also kind of healthy, you know, I like it. It helps to build a, a a good working relationship between you and your sex toys, right? They're they're something that bring you pleasure. So I don't think you should be embarrassed about them. I don't think that you should do what some people do and like leave the line of bad dragon XXL dildos along your, you know, bedroom cabinet top as a kind of intimidation slash threat to any guy that comes around to your bedroom. But you know, I don't think you should be embarrassed by this stuff. That's the difference between being embarrassed about it and flaunting it, you know. Have it in a drawer, don't have it out on display. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's okay to take it into the shower or give it a pet name or something. It's like, it's 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 something that brings you joy. It's hopefully not some cheap piece of shit that you picked up off, you know, eBay for 20 bucks. It's like, it's a Doc Johnson, well-made... Uh, I think I have, a, there's, oh, that's right, of course. There's a really good section on my website under community resources where you can find several really good sex toy stores, um, particularly ones that are Melbourne-based. I always try to support local business wherever I can or Sydney-based or Gold Coast-based or, you know, Perth-based, wherever it is. So, yeah, that's how I would do anal orgasms. Now, let's move on to the other kind of orgasm that most women have never even heard about and are utterly shocked to learn exists, which is the U-spot orgasm. So, let's start with a basic anatomy lesson. The clitoris is what becomes the cock in a man. And a male orgasm feels like a clitoral orgasm, has the same biological limitations and constraints. It's nowhere near as fun as a vaginal orgasm, so, you know... To all you vagina owners out there, congratulations, you just won the fucking lotto. But basically, a U-spot orgasm is, the clitoris is not the little nub um, just underneath the clitoral hood. The clitoral hood is that little sort of fold of skin that sort of shields and protects the clitoris as well. When women are, are um, uh, very aroused, then their clitoris can often become engorged, and that that the degree of which that will happen will depend on the individual. I knew a girl once that whose clit literally tripled in size whenever she was turned on. It was the hottest fucking thing ever. Um, and you can buy pussy pumps that allow you to kind of suction on to someone's clit and sort of pump the air out and kind of draw them out. It, it fills them full of blood and makes them really sensitive to stimulation. So if you have one of those, use it. If you don't have one of those, seriously consider getting one. Pussy pumps. Um, they make oral even better. 
uh, I sort of jerry-rigged one out of a nipple pump that I had once. Um, basically like a little plastic cylinder with a kind of screw top on it and you put it over someone's nipple and you put it so what you do is you cover it in lube so that you cover the nipple in lube to kind of form a good seal and then you push the nipple pump up against it and kind of screw the um, the pump and it, it pulls air uh, sorry pulls blood into the nipple and kind of causes them to become really aroused and sensitive uh, plus the visual effect of them like both of them on there at once looks amazing but yes you spot orgasms so the the clitoris is not just the little nub that goes underneath the clitoral hood. The clitoris is actually a wishbone-shaped orgasm about the size of a chicken wishbone. It is huge. Uh, it is easily oh, three or four inches long, if not more. Now, what I want you to do as a woman, and this is something you can do by yourself, or if you're a guy, you can do it with your partner as well. Honestly, sex is amazing. Have as much of it with people that you love as you can. Uh, what you want to do is you want to tell your female partner to blindfold themselves or blindfold them. Basically, you want to blindfold them. And then um, what you want to do is you want to take your left hand or your non-dominant hand and you want to kind of take your thumb and forefinger and put them just underneath the clitoris and kind of hold the, the, the labia together to, and pull them down a little bit to form a solid base, right? And then what I want you to do is close your eyes and I want you to put your thumb at, at right angles so that it runs left to right. So the length of your thumb is left to right. And I want you to put it on her body about five millimeters above her clitoral hood or a centimeter above her clitoral hood. And you will feel like there's this tendon or a very thick string that goes that runs along the bone there. And that is part of the body of the clitoris, right? Now, you want to map that out. It will go up about an inch into her body, sorry, along the front of her body. It'll go into her body shortly. It goes up the front of her body, and then it'll branch out into a Y shape to a left and a right. Now, I want you to follow that around with your thumb gently and firmly and map out the contours of this absolutely incredible organ because this is the clitoris. That whole thing is the clitoris. Now, about an inch up, and it will split in two, and then it'll go out an inch in either direction, roughly speaking. Obviously, sizes will vary. Um, and then it will go up about another half an inch, and then it will kind of turn inside a person, and that's where you'll lose it, right? So push your thumb in a little bit, a little bit of pressure to kind of chase it down into the person, just to map it out, but you're going to lose it at some point, and that's fine. Because the part that we want is that that cord, that tendon that runs up from the clitoris for the first inch. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can stimulate this. Now, I was um, chatting to someone on the phone recently and, and guiding her through it, and we come up with we come up with a couple of different ways to do this. You're going to take your thumb that's left to right, and you're going to place it on this tendon. You're going to roll your thumb back and forth a little bit and kind of just get a feel for it, right? Then I want you to use a medium firm pressure and stroke up the length of this tendon towards that your partner's belly button um, for the length of it. And this will feel, probably to most women, kind of unusual the first couple of times you do it, but it, it will very quickly become pleasurable. You can use a medium to firm pressure. Don't go too hard because you're compressing a bundle of nerves between a bone and your finger. 
So you, you want to stroke it, stroke it from the base to the top, all the way from the base to where it splits in two, there. And you want to use your other hand to kind of pull down a little bit and create a stable base so that you, when you're drawing it up, this is a U-spot orgasm. It produces a clitoral orgasm that is deeper, more distributed, and much more satisfying than an ordinary clitoral orgasm. Now, that's one way you can do this. The other way you can do this is you can take your left thumb, so your right thumb and forefinger, and kind of almost pinch, but not quite, the tendon. Uh, again, best way to do this was with your eyes closed, and with her eyes closed as well, but sort of almost pinch, but not quite, and kind of stroke the left and right sides of this tendon as you stroke up. Some people find that more pleasurable. Some people find that less pleasurable. Experiment with it. Make a mental note, or even better, write it down on a piece of paper. Um, and the third way you can stimulate this is you can take a Hitachi Magic Wand or a Doxy or one of those personal massages with like a, um, you know, like a five centimeter sort of diameter point of massage, something distributed, not something sharp, something distributed, and place it over that cord. And it's a bit like plucking a harp string. It's just beautiful. So you firm pressure, but don't push too hard. Or what will happen is it'll roll to one side or the other. You kind of want to keep it on, on the actual cord. Now, you want to do it just above the clitoral hood, because that way you get those vibrations into the clitoris. Or you can do it a little bit higher so that it's sort of on the cord. Or you can go higher again and kind of find that point where it splits into a Y and either target that junction point where it splits into a Y and just rest your doxy, you know, at a perpendicular angle to the body, sort of push it on that. Or you can go just above that and kind of down a little bit and kind of inside the where the Y branches off. That is apparently spectacularly pleasurable. Now, personally, I don't use clitoral, uh, so vibrators on clitoral stimulation because it, it introduces the concept of clitoral dependency and overstimulation. I always use my fingers. Uh, it's a little bit like when you eat sugar or when you drink a liter of Coke regularly, it, it, it basically just blasts your taste buds to the point where they're no longer able to distinguish different flavors. Uh, and it takes a couple of days after quitting Coke to pick up on the, the subtlety and the nuance of different flavors in food. But it's definitely there. It's a little bit like that when a, a woman gets single for a while and relies on a vibrator directly on her clit to come. It conditions her body to come that way. And you have to ramp that down. I should probably do a podcast episode on um, eliminating clitoral dependency at some point. But basically, you have to ramp that stimulation down so that you can uh, reduce, so you can actually help her to come in a meaningful way. Because clitoral orgasms are the suckiest kind of orgasms. You know, every other kind of orgasm is amazing compared to this. Um, clitoral orgasms are a, an important part of every woman's diet, but you don't want them to be every meal. So oftentimes you'll need to reduce their clitoral dependency, which is why I don't use a vibrator on someone's clit. Um, so yeah, that's the U-spot. Now, the A-spot and the U-spot are the two kinds of orgasms that are the easiest to access, uh, but also the rarest and most uncommon. And they seem to be the ones that produce the strongest effect when you show someone this is how you can come this way. Now, somewhat tragically, I found that the older a person is, um, 
the more shocked they are by this and the greater uh, impact you will get out of showing them this. What that means is, the tragic part, <clears throat> is that they've gone their whole lives without coming this way, which I think is really sad. So make up for it by making them come this way a lot. And by showing them how to do it themselves, teach them. Teach them how to do this. Teach them how to stimulate their use spot, how to come like this, how to use their fingers to stroke up the length of that, of that, um, that cord and come that way. This is also another way that women can come very easily to squirt. So the U-spot and the G-spot are the two that I would recommend for teaching women to squirt, to have squirting orgasms. Oh, I guess there's 13 kinds of orgasm then, isn't there? Squirting orgasms. I don't know. I, I wouldn't really count squirting orgasms as a separate kind. You know what? Yeah. I wouldn't count them as a separate kind of orgasm. I would just say that's a side effect of certain kinds of orgasm. So I'm going to leave them off my list. Uh, so that's the U-spot handled. Now, these are all really simple, really accessible ones. You won't have any problems at all with these. And honestly, you probably won't have any problems with the next couple either because you'll be combining dirty talk and elements of hypnotic conditioning with physical stimulation. So one of the most satisfying kinds of orgasm is a touch orgasm. Now, the skin is the largest organ in the body, which is to say that stimulating the skin is incredibly pleasurable and can be orgasmic in and of itself. It's very easy to have an orgasm that spreads over the surface of someone's entire body through their skin. Now, the way that you do this is usually pretty fuzzy. You blindfold someone or you get them in a deep state of suggestibility using trance. You magnify the effect of everything that you're doing. So I'm thinking of some examples from a friend of mine that's a massage therapist that I've been coaching in hypnosis techniques for a while. And basically, it, it's all like brutally effective stuff. Like you, you talk about how you can, they can feel your fingertips rippling. They can feel the energy rippling out from your fingertips. They can feel the pleasure rippling out. You know, create, describe, suggest the kinds of effects that you want. But basically, tell them that their skin is becoming very, very sensitive. Tell them that their skin can orgasm. Their skin can come. And if you tell them that, and they've had several other of these orgasms with you that are new and exciting, or you have projected competency, what I would normally do is I would not start with anything from this second column of orgasms. I would start with something like the A spot, or the G spot, or the U spot, or the clitoral, or the cervical. Probably not the cervical or the clitoral, but I would start with those, those big three, the G spot, the A spot, and the U spot. And I would establish that I know exactly what the fuck I'm doing. And so once I've got them in trance, I just start suggesting to them that their skin can be orgasmic too. Um, so honestly, you sort of work them up. You would use the same things that I talk about in that podcast episode on creating a pleasure trigger. Pretty sure I published that. Don't actually know. Um, basically, you, you have them imagine like a kind of pleasure that washes over them a good, satisfying, deep, earthy kind of pleasure, or not earthy, but a kind of happy pleasure. Then the second kind of pleasure, which is, you know, deeper, more intense, more pleasure again. And then a third kind of pleasure, which is overwhelming and addictive and wonderful. And then you give them the command to come, or you count them from one to five, and you, you know, that's the same sort of methodology, but you spread that orgasm out over their skin. Um... And you can also rig that up to a trigger so that whenever you touch them, they have like a little mini orgasm, which is super fun. Although obviously always be aware of potential negative side effects and codependency issues there. So 
the next kind of orgasm is related to the touch, but it's not the same. It's teaching someone to come from their lips. Uh, now, this is a really, really simple one to do if you've gotten compliance and they're suggestible and you have a proven track record of success. What you do is you take your fingertip, you push it inside their cunt, you take their juices, and you begin to circle their lips, covering them. The lips are incredibly sensitive to fingertips. I don't know why this is, but it seems like they're more sensitive to fingertips than anything else. So... Uh, blindfold them, have them lay on their back comfortably, restrain them or have them put their hands out of the way and then make your fingertips wet with their juices and just make a gentle circle over their lips and suggest to them that their lips can come too. Their lips can have a special kind of orgasm that is unique and just for them. And You know, you come up with your patter, but yeah, lips, definitely I've done that heaps of times before. Um, that's also a super simple one to then tie into kissing anybody or to kissing you or to kissing other people is little mini lip orgasms. Um, you know, and, and you really want this stuff to make your partner feel good. You want, you want your partner to feel good when you're with them. It's, I mean, I don't want to say that's going to cause them to want to give all this stuff back to you. Obviously you still have to tell them what you want and what you need and to work on your ability to both recognize the things that you want and to articulate them in a healthy and constructive way to your partner. But uh, this is a great place to start in building orgasmic fluency in your partner. So lip orgasms. Now, energetic orgasms are super fun too. These are actually really good. So the lip orgasms are great when you want to teach somebody uh, how to come when you kiss them or more fun than that, how to connect someone's cock in their mouth with the lips so that they have a little lip orgasm every time they start sucking cock, which is, you know, obviously going to have a very beneficial effect on the amount of cocks they put in their mouth. An energetic orgasm is really, really simple. Um, I like to do it in a different direction than what most people do because I think that um, there's a kind of energetic pull and I want people to work on their posture. And for women, that means dropping their shoulder blades down and back and lifting their chests somewhat. So what you do is you have them, you, you get them in this suggestible state where they're they're hypnotized or they, you know, you've established competency. And you tell them there's a, a circle of energy that begins between their legs, circles up the front of the body, through the breasts, picking up that femininity over the top of the head, down the back of the neck to between their legs again, where it circulates that amazing, incredible feminine sexual energy around and around their body. And now that they're aware of that flow of energy, they can feel it calling to them, and they can reach out to it in their body and mind, and they can feel that circle accelerating, speeding up, carrying more and more sexual energy around their body. And basically, you just describe this process to them and lead it into an orgasm. Um, what I like to do is not to imagine it as like a circle that only connects with their body between their legs, but to actually have it flowing up under their skin. So like up inside their, like up through their stomach, up underneath their breasts, up the front of their neck, over their nose, you know, proud, strong jawline, smiling as they feel this, that's right over their forehead, racing down the back of their neck, 
between their shoulder blades, through their lower back, to down the crack of their ass, between those perfect ass cheeks, and back between their legs. And picking up that feminine sexual energy from between their legs, that infinite wellspring of pure, perfect, inexhaustible female sexual energy, and circulating that throughout their body and mind. And then you can have that flow down through their fingertips and into their toes, and and then you can just work them through an orgasm. Describe it as though they're coming, and yeah, same sort of process. So that's an energetic orgasm. Now, vaginal orgasms are actually a little more complicated. There's a slightly higher bar for proficiency in these. So typically, I don't fuck a woman, typically. Um, I don't fuck a woman unless I know for a fact that she will come vaginally. And I know for a fact because I've done a bunch of negativity clearing and either overt, hey, let's do some hypnosis or, you know, hey, let me practice this cool new guided meditation technique I've been learning, which is totally hypnosis, but we're not going to call it that. Um, some general basic blind negativity clearing techniques to sort of work out a lot of trauma. Um, Vaginal orgasms are natural. They're really easy to learn how to do, but oftentimes if women cannot have them, it is because they are blocked there. And they can be blocked for a number of different reasons. The unfortunate most common one that I've found that seems to manifest itself most often is sexual trauma or them thinking that they've had sexual trauma. And what the body does is it shuts everything down to avoid feeling that future pain, which is where the blind sort of negativity clearing stuff comes in. Um, this is a tricky subject, not in the sense that I need to dance around this stuff. I, you know, all of you know, I have zero fucks to give for political correctness, but it's more of a, how best to deal with this. Um, I've never personally met anyone that couldn't orgasm, that I, I couldn't work into a vaginal orgasm. Some women struggled with it a little bit and they took a little longer than I would have liked, but over time, you can shorten that down so that as soon as your cockhead touches their pussy, they're, they're spasming in vaginal bliss. Um, it may be that if they have an unresolved sexual trauma, they will need to go and see a therapist for that. And I would always advise you to advise your partner to go and see a professional who specializes in sexual trauma counseling. Uh, it's not necessarily how much money it costs. It's more that their subconscious mind will begin to resolve this problem for them only once it feels as though they're taking positive steps to resolve it themselves. It's like, you've got to show me that you're willing to put the work in before their subconscious will actually fix the problem. Uh, if you do have this skill, uh, I think a Simpson protocol session would work very well here if that is an option for you, if you know the technique and you are comfortable using it. Um, I have done that once or twice. Actually, I've done it more than once or twice. Mostly because it's a very effective blind therapy technique. And I didn't need to know exactly what the sexual trauma was or if there even was any kind of trauma. I was just like, you know, let's talk about this issue. And this issue is, you know, awakening the vagina. Just like I wouldn't consider a man, uh, anyone that didn't have an X and a Y chromosome, I wouldn't consider a woman to be really trainable, like really there, unless she was capable of having vaginal orgasms. Uh, if not on command, then at least when she was being fucked. I think it is the absolute bare minimum standard, and I think that is an admirable goal for any woman to work towards. 
if you can't have them right now, then you are missing out on a universe of satisfaction and you are made for that kind of pleasure. And if you want to get in touch with me, and I can probably help you out with fixing that. So please do. Um, but vaginal orgasms are 10, 20 times better than clitoral orgasms in terms of sheer intensity. Um, they feel deeper, more satisfying, more fulfilling and uplifting. There's a very strong emotional component. Some women cry when they have vaginal orgasms because of the emotional release of being penetrated. Um, but yeah. So blind therapy techniques can sometimes be necessary for, uh, for that sort of thing. And typically I will already have women coming on command before I fuck them for the first time. So I'll hypnotize them, work them through that, clear the negativity out, build an orgasm trigger in, give them that, and you know, generally don't have... I mean, the way that you fix that is if you have an orgasm trigger for them already, that you just shove your dick inside them, and while you're still hard, fire off the orgasm trigger a few times, and you know, their brain makes the connections all by itself. Um, and then you give them suggestions. You know, you're feeling cock inside of you, feeling full, complete, happy, healthy, whole, knowing that you're pleasing me, knowing that this moment is ours together, knowing that the world exists outside of this room and inside this hotel room. It's just you and it's just me. And right now, looking into my eyes, the only thing that matters is this. Anyway, you know, I'm, I do the patter really naturally, but I try to use a different voice for it explicitly because I've had people say, well, you know, your voice is so hypnotic, I find myself drifting off during your podcast. So I kind of, I use like a silly voice when I'm doing my patter, just to avoid that happening. But you know where I'm going with it. So vaginal orgasm is the bare minimum standard for women. It is the absolute minimum standard I would expect, and it is the absolute minimum standard I think you should expect. If a woman cannot come from vaginal intercourse, you need to fix that. There is something seriously wrong there. Uh, feel free to get in touch with me if you want advice on that. But So the last kind of orgasm we'll cover in this episode is what I call a transcendental orgasm. Now, in order to do this, you have to be really in tune with your partner in the moment. You have to have a partner that has very little sexual hang-ups. And you have to have a partner that can orgasm internally. So one of the things I will very often do is I will teach people how to come on command. And then I will teach them how to turn down the external expression of that and actually reflect that inside themselves to make it both stronger and calmer. And then I will coach them through. I covered this in one of my podcast episodes. But basically, um, you, you give them an amazingly strong orgasm and then you have them bring it inside, turn it inside. And make it stronger still. So as they breathe, they relax. As they relax, they come harder. As they come harder, they breathe. As they breathe, they relax. As they relax, they come harder. And it kind of forms a loop of suggestion. So in order for the transcendental orgasm to work, they have to be able to have an orgasm while remaining perfectly relaxed. So an internal orgasm. So what you do is you give them an internal orgasm, right? Then you start describing about the pleasure spreading through their body until the spreading pleasure fills their entire body like whatever metaphor you want to use, like water in a water balloon, right? It feels like their skin is the only thing holding their, their orgasm back. Like there is a tiny layer of a force field of some kind 
that's just a millimeter above their skin, and the orgasmic pleasure is contained within that barrier. And you're going to take your fingers, and you're going to brush your fingers across the front of their body. You're touching their chest or their stomach. Touching their chest would be better. Um, and you're going to rub away that barrier and allow that orgasmic energy to, to, to expand outside their body. So what you're doing here, in a nutshell, is you're going to have their awareness expand until it's fully aware of their entire body while they come with their entire awareness. So everything they're aware of comes and they're aware of their entire body. Then you're going to have that awareness expand down into the ground underneath them. Have them send out roots, have them send out tendrils, have them send out coils of, of, of roiling, intense orgasmic energy to the very molten core of the planet. This is why I've done a lot of study, believe it or not, on geology and astronomy and particularly astrophysics. Um, because I want to be able to describe accurately the geological processes at the heart of the Earth. So I talk about the molten core. I talk about how it generates this electromagnetic field that encompasses the entire Earth. And of course, once their orgasmic energy, their awareness, descends, spreads to the center of the Earth, spreads outwards. I mean, honestly, what I do first is I have it spread outwards. So I have it sort of expand in a ring, um, like a signal from a cell phone tower, out in every direction, on the horizontal, right? And I have it coil all the way around the earth, you know, taking in, and I'll describe the trees around them, the forest, the life. I will not talk about buildings. I will talk about living creatures. I will talk about cities, but not like feel the concrete pulsing. Well, I suppose there's no reason you couldn't do that. I tend to like doing this stuff in hotels that are in nature. So it's usually pretty natural to talk about nature and the grass and the greenery and the different animals. And all of them are coming too. All of life is breathing and circulating. And I talk about transpiration and the water cycle. And this is all while they're coming. Then I will spread their orgasm down into the center of the earth and have it expand outwards with the earth's magnetic field. Then I will have their orgasm and their awareness expand upwards into the sky so that it expands over the entire earth. And then they're moving outside of the solar system and then outside of our galaxy and then outside of our local cluster and i will basically have them i mean it's hard to explain in logical terms but this kind of orgasm really fucks somebody up for a good 20 minutes afterwards right like if you're doing this right and you work them through every stage of it they will never be able to see the world the same way again mostly that they walk away from this with an extremely acute awareness of the place that they hold in the universe and how special they are because what I usually finish with is I will have them expand outwards and I will describe, you know, the time scale of the universe in terms of millions and billions of years. I will talk about star formation accurately. I will talk about stellar nurseries. I will talk about the different kinds of stars. I will talk about them watching stars being born, existing for billions of years, exploding into supernova. I will walk them through this process of being a part of a living, breathing, alive, orgasming universe where all the stars are echoing this cosmic celestial dance and the entire universe is pulsing with orgasmic energy. And all of the universe is coming. The song of the universe is orgasm. I kind of got that idea from 
Well, you know, honestly, I, I have no idea where I got it from. Um, it just came to me one day in a session I was doing with somebody. I just started, and then 45 minutes later, we both popped out of trance, just trembling, holding hands, rocking ourselves back and forth, and wondering what the fuck that was. But she was never the same, and neither was I. The way I like to visualize it is that uh, that episode of uh, Futurama where Bender becomes a god drifting through space, and you know, God is like, uh, you know, if you do your job right, no one will know you've done anything at all. And look it up; it's a pretty famous meme. But um, that's kind of how you visualize it. Each one of those little dots is an entire supercluster of dozens and dozens, or if not hundreds, of galaxies of billions and billions of stars, and all of this is inside of their awareness. They're aware of all of it. They're aware of this movement of time and, you know, billions of years passing. And, you know, you don't start with billions of years. You go from hundreds of thousands to millions to tens of millions to billions. You know, like you work them up gradually as their brain just melts. But a full transcendental orgasm, the whole description, you want to take at least half an hour to do this. Like, at least. That's from the point of them actually coming internally. So describe their awareness expanding outwards. Describe the life around them becoming part of that cycle. Seeing things grow. Don't don't talk about death. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had a girl sort of flinch a little bit once when I did this. No, 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 more, no more serious a reaction than that, but that was enough to make me go, I'm going to avoid that in future. Talk about life. Talk about how everything is interconnected. Not connected, because that everything is connected meme is just so stupid, but everything is interconnected. Everything is part of a system, and you are now aware, person in trance, of your unique, powerful place within that harmonious system. You can see how it all works. You can see how it all fits together, and you feel, for the first time in your life, complete as you breathe in, breathe out, and come harder. So awareness expands outwards, then awareness expands down, then awareness expands up into the universe around them. And I have them go through that process of, of star formation, and I have them go through the stellar nurseries, and I explain what things are, and this is how stars are born, and this is how stars end, and then they give birth, the supernovas give birth to new stars, and it's this endless cycle of of creation and and you know and then I, at some point I will talk to them about the song they can hear the music in the background and this works particularly well if you have someone that actually has studied music I have not but it's on my to-do list you talk about how you know there's this transcendental song that's going on all around them all the time and all they have to do is close their eyes and they can zoom up into the universe mentally awareness wise and and become a part of that and see that their place in it is beautiful and unique and short. It changes somebody having an orgasm like that. And then I bring them back down and I have them sort of, you know, go through that universal time scale and bring them back to earth. And then I explain, you know, their their place in the world. They have a place in the world. Uh, usually get tears at this point, which is probably a good thing because it's a sign of a, a deep emotional release. But, you know, another side effect of this is that people tend to come out of it very confident, um, very self-assured, very dramatically much more self-assured than they were. 
there's something about knowing that you are part of something bigger than yourself, that the world is bigger than you, that everything is going to be okay, that just does wonders for someone's sense of who they are. And then I will have them sort of pull their roots up from the center of the earth and kind of expand their awareness down until it's just just all contained within that barrier of, uh, you know, that force field that's about a millimeter above their skin. But I will also have them bring back the memory of this and make the memory of this particularly acute and clear and that their cells can remember what it was like to be, you know, a galaxy. Um and they can carry that memory with them forward. And so that's that's a rough summary of the different kinds of orgasms. Um, yeah. So the process for doing all of this. In practice, what this looks like is... I like to think of it like musical instruments in a symphony. All of them working together to make something magical. So how I do it is I think, well, what's what's good? One kind of orgasm, Right. And see, the, the thought occurred to me at first, but I, I rapidly iterated past this without ever actually actualizing it. But I thought, well, what if I just gave all of these orgasms a trigger, you know, which was the name of the orgasm, you know, like partner X cervical orgasm, go, you know, like I choose you, um, cervical orgasm, I choose you. Um, <laughs> but uh, that really didn't suit my purposes. What I wanted was all of these things to fire at once, as well as for her to be able to experience them individually. So there's a section in one of Tim Ferriss's books where he talks about teaching himself how to taste. And what he does is he breaks the meal down into ingredients, and then he combines, he'll eat each ingredient separately, you know, lingering on the taste, allowing it to flow. He'll have a notepad there. He'll make notes on that particular flavor. And then he'll mix one or two of the flavors, to, so mix two of the flavors together, and then he'll mix a different two of the flavors together, and then a different, and he's like compositing all of the different possible flavors, and then he'll work his way up to actually having a mouthful of the dish. And so that's the methodology behind this. You're going to show your partner how to have all of these different, discrete, yet wonderful kinds of orgasm. You're going to teach her how to awaken all of these different things. And most importantly, perhaps, is you're going to teach her how to teach other people if she has the opportunity, because God knows the world needs more orgasms. So you're going to teach her about the G-spot orgasms and the A-spot orgasms and the U-spot orgasms and the clitoral orgasms and the cervical orgasms and the P-spot orgasms and anal orgasms, which are different to P-spot orgasms, and touch orgasms and having orgasms from their lips being stimulated and energetic orgasms and vaginal orgasms and transcendental orgasms. You're going to teach her about all of these because you will know about them now because you have this podcast episode. And so you will teach your partner about all of these things. You will start in roughly the order I have described them. So I would start with the G-spot, for those of you taking notes, then the clitoral. Actually, no, I would go, I would go G-spot, A-spot, um, U-spot, clitoral, cervical, P-spot, anal, touch, lips, energetic, vaginal, and uh, transcendental, in that order, generally speaking. Um, that because most women already know how to come clitorally, 
and they usually have um, some, something of a clitoral dependency. So I tend to steer clear of that to begin with. Vaginal is too high a bar to shoot for at the start without building proficiency in other areas. You don't want to try something and then have it not work. If you do try to fuck her and she cannot come vaginally, there is something blocking that. Um, the way you fix that is by making sure that there's nothing physically blocking that, so she doesn't have like a nerve block or anything, or some sort of, I think some kinds of infections and some sort of medical, some medical conditions can prevent vaginal orgasm. If she's on antidepressants, she may find it difficult to orgasm vaginally, but it is never impossible, unless she's on a really, really high dose of antidepressants. I've never had that happen. Um, it's always just a case of it being a little harder to reach for other styles of orgasm easier to find, and then it's about building up proficiency with vaginal orgasms. Usually, a good way to fix to, to fix that not not I don't want to frame this in a way of like trying to fix a person. That's not how I'm trying to explain this. What I'm saying is, I regard someone not being able to orgasm in a particular way as a problem to be resolved. So I'm going to use the term fix. You know what I mean, right? But I would fix that by um, giving her a trigger that said any time the head of your cock or your cock is inside of her, she just starts coming vaginally uncontrollably. And I would err on the side of more vaginal orgasms than less, especially uh, if you know, you're know you pair bonding with this person and you want to be in a relationship with them because vaginal orgasms are the glue that makes the world go round. You know, vaginal orgasms with somebody are, are a big part of having a healthy, functional, normal relationship. So work through them in that order. Now, what I would do is if I was dating someone for the first time, I would, ideally, I would hypnotize them to a point of responsiveness or I would have them listen to a bunch of my recordings um, so that I know that they're responsive to my voice before I did this. But I would start with those physical orgasms in a hotel room with the two of us alone, without going to be disturbed or distracted. I would blindfold her to reduce her level of uh, of stress about what she looks like or how she might respond. I would encourage her to talk to me if she had anything to say, but otherwise just to let the noises that come out come out. I would tell her to not censor herself and not to try to force the orgasm. Just let it happen, quote, all by itself, unquote. Uh, you want her to be along for the ride. Now, some women will really struggle to surrender control to you like this. Sometimes they need to feel like they're a little bit in control. I've generally found that what you want to do is you want to push for taking more control in the bedroom as the relationship progresses, because as they become more comfortable with you, the less control they have in the bedroom, the more pleasure they'll be able to experience, generally speaking. Obviously, you want a bit of give and take. You want a lot of give and take. You want it to be you know, balanced in bed. But women rely on mental submission in order to fully experience sexual pleasure. So someone that's holding themselves back simply cannot orgasm as hard as someone that is capable of mentally surrendering to the overwhelming pleasure of the moment, which is something that usually comes with high self-esteem, an awareness of and an embrace of their own sexuality and not feeling judged or uh, looked down upon by somebody else. So you can work to create some of those factors, but um, you need to understand that 
some women are going to want to try and cling on to control, particularly when you're giving them a clitoral orgasm. Some women are going to try and cling on to control because they're worried about making funny noises or or being shy or God, the, the reasons women come up with just they make me smile sometimes. I never, I never, I never look down on someone, and you shouldn't either. You should never look down on someone if they have a hang up about sex. Just talk to them about it and and accept them the way they are. You know. I know it's harder to do than just accept them the way they are, but you know some of the stuff you got to work on, and that's okay. But accept them the way they are. You don't have to lie to them. If they say that they are ugly or they're overweight, you don't have to disagree with them. But what you should do is immediately deflect into something about them that you are very attracted to. It can be a non-sexual thing as well. Like I was working with a girl recently that has a bit of a weight problem, and. You know, she was a bit a bit concerned about how she looked. Now, I don't like the idea of fucking in the dark, um, mostly because I like to see, you know, the person that I'm with. But I find low light best and quite flattering. So lighting a single candle, uh, being aware of a fire hazard, of course, or turning lights on dimmer switches down. But um, try to avoid... If a woman is uncomfortable about things and wants to fuck in the dark... Try to avoid fucking her in the dark if you can. You're just you're just buying into her paradigm that she's not attractive. The best way to fix that problem is to blindfold her so she can't see herself, and then she'll stop wondering about what she looks like. And if you're giving her suggestions and commands with your voice while she's blindfolded, she'll pick up on that, and she won't be wandering, mentally speaking, around thinking about bad thoughts or distractions. You want to follow Igor's ABS formula of absorbing as much of her attention as possible, bypassing her critical factor, and then stimulating her unconscious mind with suggestion and physical touch. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Troubleshooting vaginal orgasms. If they can't have vaginal orgasms with you, there's some sort of block. It may be a physical medical block. It may be a biochemical block, like an antidepressant. Uh, it's usually something blocking them. So eliminate any physical causes, eliminate any kind of um, antidepressant. No, don't, 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 don't interpret that to mean that you should stop them from taking their antidepressants. Um, obviously, they want to work from needing antidepressants to not needing them anymore. But uh, you want to be aware of that. Give them an orgasm trigger, which you may have to do some basic negativity clearing stuff like... Uh, Cottage of memories, um, scrubbing bubbles, picture framing, or the Simpson protocol. Uh, and then you want to sort of scrub all that negativity away. And then while you've got that sort of window of opportunity, you want to um, work with them to get to get them vaginally orgasmic. Um, give them an orgasm trigger, test that it works, tie it to their vagina. Put your dick in their vagina, tie it to your dick being in their vagina, tie it to any dick or any toy inside their vagina, give them control over that trigger. If you want to, you can take control away from yourself, but I don't know whether that would be really necessary in this case. Just just make it so that whenever they want to have a vaginal orgasm, they can. Um, and then make them want to have vaginal orgasms, because they're good for you. They really are. They do wonders for the circulation, general overall health. Um, 
overall process, I would pick two or three of these different kinds of orgasms to teach a girl for the first couple of dates we had together. And by dates, I mean spending time alone when we can fuck. Um, I like to go on picnics in parks too, you know, walks through the woods and along rivers. and. But uh, these are things that I would stick to, you know, when we're alone together in a hotel room or a, an Airbnb or something. Roll out a couple of these and understand that after a few of these, she's likely to be very tired. So the first A-sport orgasm will be tiring for her because she'll be using muscles she probably hasn't used before. But what you want to do ultimately is you want to awaken all of these different discrete kinds of orgasm within her, all of these different 12 kinds of orgasm, that you want to start tying them all to an orgasm trigger. So that when you say, come for me, you know, partner name, come for me, or partner name, come, or partner name, whatever your orgasm trigger is, I would not use the word come because it's too easy to misuse that. Plus, you probably want to use that for like here or summoning them to your side. Um, but you want to tie all of these orgasms together, all these different kinds of discrete orgasms together to build one mega orgasm, an uber orgasm, where all of these different orgasms are firing off in perfect harmony with each other in a symphony of pure orgasmic bliss. And you can create that trigger just as simply as you can create any other trigger. You know, once you have all these different parts of her awakened through physical stimulation and suggestion and, and a progressive uh, increase in the different kinds of orgasms that she can experience, it's very easy to take all of these orgasms once you've given them a name and a label and to tie them all into her existing orgasm trigger one by one, like gathering up balloons, you know, into a bundle of balloons to uplift her to help her reach a higher form of her existence. The ultimate purpose of all of this is to use that pleasure to move her or to help her want to move towards being a better person, being a better submissive, being a better partner, improving herself, doing the things that she knows that she should be doing but that she puts off, all of that stuff. You know, the self-improvement angle with me is it's like it's the core of pretty much everything that I do. Building a better world, one person at a time. So that's my breakdown of the different kinds of orgasms. If you have any questions about that, please feel free to email me at originalmindkink, M-I-N-D-K-I-N-K, at P-M dot M-E. Or you can go to my website at mindkink.net, uh, and browse the resources there, or send me an email through the contact page. I hope you have enjoyed this this episode. I I have been meaning to cover this topic for a long time, and I just keep forgetting how many people are interested in, I know that sounds ironic, but how many people are interested in the different kinds of female orgasm. And as I think about that, I'm like, of course they are. You know, half of the population has a vagina, and would probably like to learn about the U-spot and the A-spot particularly. And the other half of the population probably likes people with vaginas and wants to make those vaginas happy. And that, at, honestly, at the end of the day, that's what all of this is about. It's about good relationships, healthy relationships, having amazing people in your life, 
having amazing connections with those people and building something meaningful for yourself, a future that you can believe in. A future where you know deep down that you deserve the kind of partner that makes you happy, that, that you can... No one can ever really make you happy. This is one of, unfortunately, the the great truths of our life, of, of life in general. It's not a modern thing. It's not an ancient thing. It's, it's a universal thing. It's no one can make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. So you begin by building an amazing life that you love, where the only thing that's missing is someone to share it with. And then you find someone who also has an amazing life to share your amazing life with you. And that's what all of this is about, this podcast, these resources, these episodes, all the one-on-ones and emails and phone calls I have with people mentoring and advising them. is, you know, It's all about building amazing relationships. It's all about building connection with people and, and living an amazing life. It's, it, I know for a fact it is within the reach of all of you to live this way, to be happy. But always remember that no one else can ever make you happy. You have to take responsibility for making yourself happy. You are responsible for your own life. Remember to play the three-minute game with your friends or your lovers. It's a fantastic way to pass the time. It's an incredibly effective way of building sexual proficiency, particularly for dominance and submissives. Dominants typically struggle with uh, receiving and submitting. And both of those things are crucial for maximizing sexual gratification and functioning in any individual. Dominants typically struggle with those. Submissives typically struggle with the other two, with with, um, with receiving and taking. Uh, and it's so important to be able to build your fluency in, in all of those different four areas. So... Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've gotten something out of it. Good morning, good evening, and good night.